0: Welcome to This Week in Nephrology, your filtered medical journal summary. Looking to stay up to date with the latest medical research but short on time? This Week in Nephrology has you covered. Our AI-powered podcast provides you with a convenient, on-the-go solution to keep you informed about the most significant developments in the nephrology field. Hi, This Week in Nephrology, we will be discussing articles published in October issues of the Nephrology Journals. First we will be going over articles in the Journal of the American Society of Nephrology. Research and non-research industry payments to nephrologists in the United States between 2014 and 2021. Background. Financial relationships between nephrologists and the healthcare industry have been a concern in the United States over the past decade. Methods. To evaluate industry payments to nephrologists, We conducted a cross-sectional study examining non-research and research payments to all U.S. nephrologists registered in the National Plan and Provider Enumeration System between 2014 and 2021, using the Open Payments Database. Payment data were descriptively analyzed on the basis of monetary value and payment trends were evaluated by using a generalized estimating equations model. Results. From 2014 through 2021, 10,463 of 12,059 nephrologists, 87%, received at least one payment from the U.S. healthcare industry, totaling $778 million. The proportion of nephrologists who did not receive non research payments varied each year, ranging from 38% to 51%. Non research payments comprised 22%, $168 million of overall industry payments and monetary value but 87% in the number of payments. Among those receiving payments, the median per physician 8-year aggregated payment values were $999 in non-research payments and $102,329 in associated research payments. Male nephrologists were more likely than female nephrologists to receive research payments, but the per physician amount did not differ. However, non research payments were three times larger for male nephrologists and increased by 8% annually between 2014 and 2019 among male nephrologists but remained stable among female nephrologists. The top 5% of nephrologists receiving non research payments received 81% of all such payments. Conclusions Between 2014 and 2021, 87% of U.S. nephrologists received at least one payment from the healthcare industry. Notably, Non-research payments to nephrologists have been increasing since the Open Payments Database's 2014 launch. Male nephrologists were more likely than female nephrologists to receive research payments. Next we will be going over articles in the Nephrology Dialysis Transplantation. Treatment and Long-Term Outcome in Primary Nephrogenic Diabetes Insipidus Background Primary Nephrogenic Diabetes Insipidus, NDI, is a rare disorder and little is known about treatment practices and long-term outcome. Methods Pediatric and adult nephrologists contacted through European professional organizations entered data in an online form. Results Data were collected on 315 patients, 22 countries, male 84%, adults 35%. Mutation testing had been performed in 270, 86%, pathogenic variants were identified in 258, 96%. The median range, age at diagnosis was 0.6, 0.0 to 60, years and at last follow up 14.0, 0.1 to 70, years. In adults, height was normal with a mean, standard deviation, score of minus 0.39, plus or minus 1.0, yet there was increased prevalence of obesity, body mass index greater than 30 kg m2, 41% versus 16% European average, p less than 0.001. There was also increased prevalence of chronic kidney disease, CKD, stage greater than or equal to 2 in children, 32% and adults, 48% evidence of flow uropathy was present in 38%. A higher proportion of children than adults, 85% versus 54%, p less than 0.001, received medications to reduce urine output. Patients greater than or equal to 25 years were less likely to have a university degree than the European average, 21% versus 35%, p equals 0.003, but full-time employment was similar. Mental health problems, predominantly attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, 16%, were reported in 36% of patients. Conclusion This large NDI cohort shows an overall favorable outcome with normal adult height and only mild to moderate CKD in most. Yet, while full-time employment was similar to the European average, educational achievement was lower, and more than half had urological and or mental health problems. Long-term Outcomes of COVID-19 Survivors with Hospital Aki, Association with Time to Recovery from Aki Background Although Coronavirus Disease 2019, COVID-19 patients who develop in hospital acute kidney injury, (AKI) have worse short-term outcomes, their long-term outcomes have not been fully characterized. We investigated 90-day and 1-year outcomes after Hospital Aki group by Time to Recovery from Aki Methods this study consisted of 3,296 COVID 19 patients with hospital Aki stratified by early recovery, less than 48 hours, delayed recovery, 2 to 7 days, and prolonged recovery, greater than 7 to 90 days. Demographics, comorbidities, and laboratory values were obtained at admission and up to the one year follow up. The incidence of major adverse cardiovascular events, MACE, and major adverse kidney events, MAKE, Rehospitalization, recurrent Aki, and new onset chronic kidney disease, CKD, were obtained 90 days after COVID 19 discharge. Results The incidence of hospital Aki was 28.6%. Of the COVID 19 patients with Aki, 58.0% experienced early recovery, 14.8% delayed recovery, and 27.1% prolonged recovery. Patients with a longer Aki recovery time had a higher prevalence of CKD, P less than 0.05, and were more likely to need invasive mechanical ventilation, P less than 0.001, and to die, P less than 0.001. Many COVID-19 patients developed make recurrent Aki and new onset CKD within 90 days, and these incidences were higher in the prolonged recovery group, P less than 0.05. The incidence of Mace peaked 20 to 40 days post-discharge, whereas MAKE peaked 80 to 90 days post-discharge. Logistic regression models predicted 90-day MACE and MAKE with 82.4 plus or minus 1.6% and 79.6 plus or minus 2.3% accuracy, respectively. Conclusion COVID-19 survivors who developed hospital Aki are high risk for adverse cardiovascular and kidney outcomes, especially those with longer Aki recovery times and those with a history of CKD. These patients may require long-term follow-up for cardiac and kidney complications. Next we will be going over articles in the Kidney International. Systems analyses of the Fabry kidney transcriptome and its response to enzyme replacement therapy identified and cross-validated enzyme replacement therapy-resistant targets amenable to drug repurposing. Fabry disease is a rare disorder caused by variations in the alpha galactosidase gene. To a degree, Fabry disease is manageable via enzyme replacement therapy, ERT. By understanding the molecular basis of Fabry nephropathy, FN and ERT's long-term impact, here we aim to provide a framework for selection of potential disease biomarkers and drug targets. We obtained biopsies from eight control individuals and two independent FN cohorts comprising 16 individuals taken prior to and after up to 10 years of ERT and performed RN ASIC analysis. Combining pathway-centered analyzes with network science allowed computation of transcriptional landscapes from foreign nephron compartments and their integration with existing proteome and drug target interactome data. Comparing these transcriptional landscapes revealed high inter-cohort heterogeneity. Kidney compartment transcriptional landscapes comprehensively reflected differences in FN cohort characteristics. With exception of a few aspects, in particular arteries, early ERT in patients with classical Fabry could lastingly revert FN gene expression patterns to closely match that of controlled individuals. Pathways nonetheless consistently altered in both FN cohorts pre-ERT were mostly in glomeruli and arteries and related to the same biological themes. While keratinization-related processes in glomeruli were sensitive to ERT, a majority of alterations, such as transporter activity and responses to stimuli remain dysregulated or re-emerged despite ERT. Inferring an ERT-resistant genetic module of expressed genes identified 69 drugs for potential repurposing matching the proteins encoded by 12 genes. Thus, we identified and cross-validated ERT-resistant gene product modules that, when leveraged with external data, allowed estimating their suitability as biomarkers to potentially track disease course or treatment efficacy and potential targets for adjunct pharmaceutical treatment. Next we will be going over articles in the American Journal of Kidney Diseases. Utility of the kidney failure risk equation and estimated GFR for estimating time to kidney failure in advanced CKD Rationale and objective The kidney failure risk equation (KFRE) predicts the 2-year risk of kidney failure for patients with chronic kidney disease (CKD) Translating KFRE predicted risk or estimated glomerular filtration rate (eGFR) into time to kidney failure could inform decision making for patients approaching kidney failure Study design Retrospective Cohort. Setting and Participants. CKD Outcomes and Practice Patterns Study, (TOPS) Cohort of Patients with an EFR for less than 60 mL per minute slash 1.73 M2 from 34 U.S. Nephrology Practices, 2013-2021. Exposure. Two-year KFRE risk or for Outcome. Kidney failure defined as initiation of dialysis or kidney transplantation. Analytical approach. Accelerated failure time, Weibel, models used to estimate the median, 25th, and 75th percentile times to kidney failure starting from KFRE values of 20%, 40%, and 50%, and from EFER values of 20, 15, and 10 mL per minute /1.73 M2. We examine variability in time-to-kidney failure by age, sex, race, diabetes status, albuminuria, and blood pressure. Results. Overall, 1,641 participants were included, mean age 69 plus or minus 13 years, median EFER of 28 milliliter per minute slash 1.73 M2, IQR 20-37 milliliter per minute slash 1.73 square meters. Over a median follow-up period of 19 months, IQR, 12 to 30 months, 268 participants developed kidney failure and 180 died before reaching kidney failure. The median estimated time to kidney failure was widely variable across patient characteristics from an epr of 20 milliliter per minute slash 1.73 m2 and was shorter for younger age, male sex, black, versus non-black, diabetes, versus no diabetes, higher albuminuria, and higher blood pressure. Estimated times to kidney failure were comparably less variable across these characteristics for KFRE thresholds and EFRA 15 or 10 ml per minute slash 1.73 m2. Limitations Inability to account for competing risks when estimating time to kidney failure. Conclusions Among those with EFRA less than 15 ml per minute slash 1.73 m2 or KFRE risk greater than 40%, both KFRE risk and eGFR showed similar relationships with time to kidney failure. Our results demonstrate that estimating time to kidney failure in advanced CKD can inform clinical decisions and patient counseling on prognosis, regardless of whether estimates are based on eGFR or the KFRE. Multifaceted quality improvement interventions to prevent hemodialysis catheter related bloodstream infections: a systematic review. Rationale and objective. Central venous catheters (CVCs) are widely used for hemodialysis but are prone to burdensome and costly bloodstream infections. We determined whether multifaceted quality improvement interventions in hemodialysis units can prevent hemodialysis catheter related bloodstream infections. To Study Design Systematic Review Setting and Study Populations PubMed, InBase, and Central were searched from inception to April 23, 2022, to identify randomized trials, time-series analyzes, and before-after studies that examined the effect of multifaceted quality improvement interventions on the incidence of CURPSI or Access-Related Bloodstream Infections among people receiving hemodialysis outside of the Intensive Care Unit (ICU). Data extraction. Two people independently extracted data and assessed the risk of bias and quality of evidence using validated tools. Analytical approach. Intervention effects, validity, and characteristics of studies with the same design were compared. Differences between study designs were described. Results. We included 21 studies from 8,824 identified by our search. Among 15 studies that measured hikripsy, Two methodologically heterogeneous cluster randomized trials reported discordant intervention effects, two interrupted time series analyses reported favorable interventions with discordant patterns of effect, and 11 before-after studies reported favorable interventions with a very high risk of bias. Among six studies that only measured RVC, one time series analysis and one before-after study did not find a favorable intervention effect, and four before-after studies reported a favorable effect with a very high risk of bias. The overall quality of evidence was low for CRIPSI and very low for ARPSI. Limitations Nine definitions of CRIPSI were used. Ten studies included hospital-based and satellite facilities but did not report separate intervention effects for each type of facility. Conclusions Multifaceted quality improvement interventions may prevent CRIPSI outside the ICU. However, evidence supporting them is of low quality, and further carefully conducted studies are warranted. Next we will be going over articles in the Clinical Kidney Journal. Recurrent Cardiovascular Events in Patients with Type 2 Diabetes and Hemodialysis Analysis from the 4D Study Background In the Die Deutsche Diabetes Dialyse Study, 4D Study, Treatment of Patients with Type 2 Diabetes Mellitus, T2DM, on Hemodialysis, HD, with atorvastatin compared with placebo had no significant effect on the first composite primary major adverse cardiovascular event, MACE, endpoint of death from cardiac causes, fatal stroke, nonfatal myocardial infarction or nonfatal stroke. In this study we analyzed first and recurrent events in 1255 patients from the 4D study. Methods we conducted an event history analysis to investigate the effects of previous clinical events on the risk of different endpoints in the total patient group and after stratification by randomization group. Results. During a median follow-up of 4 years, a total of 548 maces occurred, with 469 first and 79 recurrent events. The most frequent event was sudden cardiac death, followed by death due to infection/sepsis. Of the 548 total maces, 260 occurred in the atorvastatin group and 288 in the placebo group, hazard ratio 0.91, 95% confidence interval 0.76 to 1.07, p equals 0.266. Interestingly, analyses of the baseline hazard functions for first and recurrent events as a function of time after randomization demonstrated that the risks of the composite primary endpoint continually increased in the placebo group with increasing time in the study whereas the risk in the atorvastatin group remained constant after 1.5 years. Conclusion This recurrent and total event analysis from the 4D study underscores the high risk of sudden cardiac death and death due to infection sepsis in patients with T2DM receiving HD and raises the hypothesis that atorvastatin may stabilize cardiovascular risk only after 1-2 years in this high-risk population. The elevation of the anion gap in steady-state chronic kidney disease may be less prominent than generally accepted. Background. A presumed cause of metabolic acidosis in chronic kidney disease, CKD, is accumulation of unmeasured anions, leading to a high anion gap, AG. In patients with CKD with a high AG, only minor increases are expected. The aim of this study is to evaluate the magnitude of the AG in documented steady-state CKD to examine the effect of CKD on a high-AG metabolic acidosis, HAGMA. Methods In this cross-sectional study the AG, bicarbonate, and chloride were evaluated in 1045 blood and urine samples of 501 patients with steady-state CKD in the outpatient clinic. The influence of phosphate, albumin and potassium on the AG were evaluated. Results the mean AG increased from 8.8 meq slash L plus or minus 1.57 in CKD stage 1 to 11.2 meq slash L plus or minus 2.22 in CKD stage 5 p less than 0.001. Correction for albumin or phosphate did not influence the magnitude of the AG. Correction for potassium did alter the prevalence of HAGMA, but not the severity. HCO3- decreased between CKD stages 1 and 5 by 5.1 Meq-L. The, Cl-, increased by 2.6 Meq-L between CKD stages 1 and 5. Conclusions The elevation of the AG in patients with steady-state CKD is limited and less pronounced than the decrease in, HCO3-. Normal AG metabolic acidosis seems to be more important in CKD than HAGMA. The CKD stage and the magnitude of the AG should be taken into account when evaluating a patient with HAGMA. This study suggests that an AG greater than 15 MEQ L is rarely due to renal failure alone. Next we will be going over articles in the Hypertension ACC. Unilaterally selective adrenal vein sampling for identification of surgically curable primary aldosteronism. Background. Adrenal venous sampling is recommended for the identification of unilateral surgically curable primary aldosteronism but is often clinically useless, owing to failed bilateral adrenal vein cannulation. Objectives. To investigate if only unilaterally selective adrenal vein sampling studies can allow the identification of the responsible adrenal Methods Among 1,625 patients consecutively submitted to adrenal vein sampling in tertiary referral centers, we selected those with selective adrenal vein sampling results in at least one side, we use surgically cured unilateral primary aldosteronism as gold reference. The accuracy of different values of the Relative Aldosterone Secretion Index, RASI, which estimates the amount of aldosterone produced in each adrenal gland corrected for catheterization selectivity, was examined. Results We found prominent differences in Rossi values distribution between patients with and without unilateral primary aldosteronism. The diagnostic accuracy of Rossi values estimated by the area under receiver operating characteristic curves was 0.714 and 0.855, respectively, In the responsible and the contralateral side, Rossi values greater than 2.55 and less than or equal to 0.96 on the former and the latter side furnished the highest accuracy for detection of surgically cured unilateral primary aldosteronism. Moreover, in the patients without unilateral primary aldosteronism, only 20% and 16% had Rossi values less than or equal to 0.96 and greater than 2.55. Conclusions With the strength of a large real-life data set and use of the gold reference entailing an unambiguous diagnosis of unilateral primary aldosteronism, these results indicate the feasibility of identifying unilateral primary aldosteronism using unilaterally selective adrenal vein sampling results. Next we will be going over articles in the American Journal of Hypertension. Sex Differences in Atrial Fibrillation and Associated Complications in Hypertensive Patients with Left Ventricular Hypertrophy – The Life Study Background There is no consensus on whether biological differences account for the higher risk of stroke seen in females compared to males with atrial fibrillation, AF. Methods Capitalizing on the Losardin Intervention for Endpoint Study – a multicenter randomized clinical trial randomizing 9,193 patients and followed for at least four years, we aim to identify sex differences in the risk of stroke in the presence of AF in patients with hypertension and left ventricular hypertrophy, LVH. Results. 342 patients had a history of AF, and 669 developed new-onset AF. History of AF and new-onset AF were more prevalent among males, versus 2.9%, and 3.0% versus 0.9%, in patients aged 55 to 63 years, but the relative difference decreased with age. Females with new onset AF tended to have a higher risk of stroke than males, HR 1.52, 95% C0.95 to 2.43. However, females with a history of AF did not have a higher risk than males, HR 0.88. 95% C0.5-1.6. to In patients with new-onset AF, the relative higher stroke risk in females increased with age. Among patients with a history of AF, stroke risk was comparable and increased with age in both sexes. Conclusions Among patients with hypertension and LVH, females with new-onset AF had a higher risk of stroke than males, especially in patients above 64 years. However, the risk did not differ between the sexes among patients with a history of AF. Next we will be going over articles in the transplantation. Evaluation of Immunocompetence and Biomarkers of Tolerance in Chimeric and Immunosuppression-Free Kidney Allograft Recipients Background 37 patients have received a living donor kidney transplant in a phase 2 study designed to induce tolerance with facilitated allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplant. The study protocol is based on tolerogenic CD8 plus T cell receptor minus facilitating cells, FCR001, also including hematopoietic stem cells and alpha-beta T cell receptor plus T cells, and low-dose, non-myeloablative conditioning. Persistent chimerism allowing full immunosuppression, is, withdrawal was achieved in 26 patients, time off is 36 to 123 mo. Methods. We evaluated biomarkers of tolerance through urinary cell mRNA profiling and immunocompetence to respond to vaccination in these patients. We also assessed kidney function and metabolic parameters compared with standard of care patients on is. Results. Persistently chimeric patients retained chimerism after removal of IS and remained rejection free without donor HLA specific antibody development. The presence of donor chimerism at greater than 50% correlated with a signature of tolerance in urinary cell mRNA profiles with a uniquely elevated increase in the ratio of cytotoxic T lymphocyte associated protein 4d granzyme B mRNA. Tolerance was associated with protection from recurrence of immune mediated causes of kidney disease. Tolerant participants were safely vaccinated, developed protective immune responses, and did not lose chimerism after vaccination. When compared with kidney transplant recipients treated with standard IS, tolerant participants showed stable kidney function and reduced medication use for hypertension and hyperlipidemia. Conclusions. These results suggest that elimination of IS has distinct advantages in living donor kidney allograft recipients. Next, we will be going over articles in the American Journal of Transplantation. Survival after kidney transplantation compared with ongoing dialysis for people over 70 years of age, a matched pair analysis. Kidney transplantation offers improved survival and quality of life compared to dialysis for most recipients. However, benefits for elderly patients greater than 70 years remain uncertain. Using the Australia and New Zealand Dialysis and Transplant Registry, 2009 to 2019, elderly transplant recipients were matched to a weightlisted dialysis patient by age, cause of end stage kidney disease, and dialysis duration, paired controls. We censor dialysis patients at the time of transplant. Survival was compared using stratified Cox regression. Elderly transplant recipients, KTRs, and equals 465, were matched to weightlisted pairs. Transplant group mortality initially exceeded dialysis due to excess infection-related deaths, 1.9 transplant versus 0.3 dialysis slash 100 patient years, p equals 0.03. Beyond month 9, a progressive survival benefit in favor of transplantation was apparent. Over a median follow-up of 1.7 years, mortality was 38% lower for KTRs, 95% confidence interval 0.41 to 0.94, p equals 0.02, and five-year survival was 80% KTRs versus 53% dialysis, p less than 0.001. Recipients of living and standard criteria donor kidneys acquired immediate survival advantage compared with dialysis, while recipients of expanded criteria donors' kidneys experienced elevated risk of death for the first 17 months. Compared with remaining on dialysis, Elderly KTRs incur an increased risk of early post-transplant mortality but thereafter may anticipate progressively superior survival rates. Next we will be discussing Kidney International Report article. Effective a multifaceted intervention on the incidence of hemodialysis catheter dysfunction in a national stepped wedge cluster randomized trial. Introduction Effective strategies to prevent hemodialysis, HD, catheter dysfunction are lacking and there is wide variation in practice. Methods In this post hoc analysis of the reducing the burden of dialysis catheter complications, a national, reduction, stepped wedge cluster randomized trial encompassing 37 Australian nephrology services, 6,361 participants, and 9,872 catheters, we investigated whether the trial intervention, which promoted a suite of evidence-based practices for HD catheter insertion and management, reduced the incidence of catheter dysfunction, which is defined by catheter removal due to inadequate dialysis blood flow. We also analyzed outcomes among tunneled cuffed catheters and sources of event variability. Results A total of 873 HD catheters were removed because of dysfunction over 1.12 million catheter days. The raw incidence was 0.91 events per 1,000 catheter days during the baseline phase and 0.68 events per 1,000 catheter days during the intervention phase. The service-wide incidence of catheter dysfunction was 33% lower during the intervention after adjustment for calendar time, incidence rate ratio equals 0.67, 95% confidence interval, C, 0.50 to 0.89, P equals 0.006. Results were consistent among tunneled cuff catheters, adjusted incidence rate ratio equals 0.68, 95% C, 0.49 to 0.94, which accounted for 75% of catheters, and equals 7,403, 97.4% of catheter exposure time and 88.2% of events, and equals 770. Among tunneled catheters that survived for six months, 21.5% of tunneled catheters, between 2% and 5% of the unexplained variation in the number of catheter dysfunction events was attributable to service-level differences, and 18% to 36% was attributable to patient-level differences. Conclusion Multifaceted interventions that promote evidence-based catheter care may prevent dysfunction, and patient factors are an important source of variation in events. Residual kidney function and cause-specific mortality among incident hemodialysis patients Introduction The survival benefit of residual kidney function, RKF, in patients on hemodialysis is presumably due to enhanced fluid management and solute clearance. However, data are lacking on the association of renal urea clearance, cluria, with specific causes of death. Methods We conducted a longitudinal cohort study of 39,623 adults initiating thrice-weekly in-center hemodialysis from 2007 to 2011 and had data on renal chluria and urine volume. Multivariable cause-specific proportional hazards model was used to examine the associations between baseline RKF and cause-specific mortality, including sudden cardiac death, SCD, non-SCD cardiovascular death, CVD, and non-CVD. Restricted cubic splines were fitted for change in RKF over six months after initiating hemodialysis. Results Among 39,623 patients with data on baseline renal chluria and urine volume, there was a significant trend toward a higher mortality risk across lower RKF levels, irrespective of cause of death in a case mix adjustment model, trend less than 0.05. Adjustment for ultrafiltration rate, UFR, slightly attenuated the association between low renal chluria and high cause-specific mortality, whereas adjustment for highest potassium did not have substantial effect. Among 12,169 patients with data on change in RKF, a six-month decline in renal chluria showed graded associations with SCD, -SCD non-SCD-CVD, and non-CVD risk. Whereas the graded associations between faster six month decline in urine output and higher death risk were clear only for SCD and non CVD. Conclusion Lower RKF and loss of RKF were associated with higher cause specific mortality among patients initiating thrice weekly in center hemodialysis. Determinants of Kidney Failure in Primary Hyperoxyluria Type 1, Findings of the European Hyperoxyluria Consortium. Introduction Primary Hyperoxyluria Type 1, PH1, has a highly heterogeneous disease course. Apart from the circa 508 greater than A, P.gly 170-ARG, AGXT variant, which imparts a relatively favorable outcome, little is known about determinants of kidney failure. Identifying these is crucial for disease management, especially in this era of new therapies. Methods In this retrospective study of 932 patients with PH1 included in the Oxal Europe Registry, we analyzed genotype-phenotype correlations as well as the impact of nephrocalcinosis, urolithiasis, and urinary oxalate and glycolate excretion on the development of kidney failure, using survival and mixed model analyzes. Results the risk of developing kidney failure was the highest for 175 vitamin B6 unresponsive, null homozygotes and lowest for 155 patients with circa 508G greater than A and circa 454T greater than A, 152 ELA, variants, with a median age of onset of kidney failure of 7.8 and 31.8 years, respectively. 50 patients with circa 731T greater than C, P.ELA 244THR, homozygote variants had better kidney survival than null homozygotes, P equals 0.003. Poor outcomes were found in patients with other potentially vitamin B6-responsive variants. Nephrocalcinosis increased the risk of kidney failure significantly, hazard ratio, HR, 3.17, 2.03 to 4.94, P less than 0.001. Urinary oxalate and glycolate measurements were available in 620 and 579 24-hour urine collections from 117 and 87 patients, respectively. Urinary oxalate excretion, unlike glycolate, was higher in patients who subsequently developed kidney failure, p equals 0.034. However, the 41% intra-individual variation of urinary oxalate resulted in wide confidence intervals. Conclusion in conclusion, homozygosity for AGXT null variants and nephrocalcinosis were the strongest determinants for kidney failure in pH 1. Changing phenotypes and clinical outcomes over time in microscopic polyangiitis. Introduction Diagnosis and management of microscopic polyangiitis. MPA, have evolved considerably over the past decades, but it is unknown whether clinical and histological presentation and patient and renal outcomes have changed accordingly. Methods We compared clinical and histopathological characteristic at diagnosis, risk of death, end-stage kidney disease, ESKD and relapse rate in patients diagnosed with MPA between 1980 and 2022, after grouping them in two periods, p. P-1980-2001 and P-2002-2022. We compared the mortality rate between the two periods using Kaplan-Meier estimator and Cox regression, and competing risks of ESKD and death using the Allen-Johansson estimator, fine gray multiple regression, and multi-state models. Results Out of 187 patients, 77 were in P-1980-2001 and 110 in P-2002-2022. Patients in P2002-2022 were older, 66.2 plus or minus 14.0 SD versus 57.7 plus or minus 15.8 P less than 0.001, had a better kidney function, estimated glomerular filtration rate, eat for 25.9 plus or minus 24.8 versus 21.5 plus or minus 28.2 milliliters per minute per 1.73 square meters. P equals 0.011 and a lower prevalence of the burden sclerotic class 5.9 versus 20.9%, p equals 0.011. Despite a similar crude and adjusted patient survival, the risk of eSKD decreased during P 2002 to 2022 subdistribution hazard ratio, HR 0.30, 95% confidence interval, c 0.16 to 0.57. P less than 0.001. The results remain significant after accounting for death after ESKD and after adjusting for potential confounders. HR 0.33, 95% C, 0.18 to 0.63, P less than 0.001. The risk of relapse was numerically higher during P 2002 to 2022, subdistribution HR 1.64, 95% C, to 2.83, P equals 0.075. Conclusion. MPA kidney involvement has become less severe over the past decades, leading to a reduced risk of ESKD and a higher relapse rate, despite a comparable risk of death. Thank you for listening to this week in nephrology, your filtered medical journal summary. Have a great week ahead, stay blessed and be humane.